Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Wrestling Source Radio. The following show is scheduled for one fall with a one-hour time limit. Introducing your host from parts unknown. He is the best radio announcer there is, the best radio announcer there was, and the best radio announcer there ever will be, Rodney Dion. Yeah, welcome everyone. Wrestling Source Radio on Coast FM 963. Rodney Dion here. And uh, how about that intro? Yeah, that took a while to produce. No, not really. But I tell you what, what a way to kick off the first ever Wrestling Source Radio on Coast FM 963. Got an absolute jam-packed show. I'll be speaking with the leader of the Red Nation, Jack Bonza, about the abundance of wrestling happening on the local scene. Speaking of which, Marketing Your Diary, July 6th. Newcastle Pro Wrestling invades Central Coast Legs Club. I'm going to be there. Bonza's going to tell us all about that. And Jack Bonza, the man himself, he's actually wrestling in Sydney tonight as we speak as uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling wrap up their Southern Showdown Tour. They were on pay-per-view last night in Melbourne. They're wrapping up in Sydney tonight. Going to really love his thoughts on uh, New Japan and what's happening there. Also, how would you like to win a signed Eric Bischoff poster? He was in the country last week as part of the 83 Weeks Tour. Well, I've got a poster to give away. Eric Bischoff, the former WCW president. The guy who signed Hulk Hogan. One of the biggest acquisitions to happen in wrestling. The creation of the NWO. The creation of Monday Night Nitro. And I've got a poster with his signature on it to give away. Wait for your cue to call on that one, of course. But coming up next, going to be speaking with Simon Tackler from the Wide World of Wrestling podcast about the week that has been the week in wrestling. And hasn't there been a lot happening? Wowee. I mean, pay-per-views, out the ears, and the wazoo. Uh, you've had Twitter beefs. Absolutely everything's been happening this week. And we're going to break it down with Simon after this. You're on Wrestling Source Radio. Wrestling Source Radio. What a week it has been in the way of wrestling. Uh, I mean, that's a bit of an understatement. And uh, here to help us break it down, he is the co-host of the Wide World of Wrestling podcast. It's Simon Tackler. Hello and welcome. Hey, mate. Good to be here. Thanks for having me on. And uh, uh, pretty cool to be here on the first show. What a time to be alive as a wrestling fan. I mean, uh, wowee. I'm kind of taking uh, the, uh, the words of uh, AFL announcer BT, Brian Taylor, there. I've been using that a lot lately, wowee, when describing <laughs> wrestling. Because uh, there is so much happening. Yeah, I, I can't think of a, a week where so many big things have happened where we could say, this is the biggest story of the week. What about this one? Between online feuds and and uh, power changes in the WWE and massive shows coming to Australia, yeah, this is a great week to be a wrestling fan. The biggest news to break earlier in the week, I guess you could say, The Undertaker returning to WWE Monday Night Raw. Yeah, The Undertaker is back, and uh, there were a lot of fans saying, oh, you know, this is a WWE desperation move, and they're bringing back The Undertaker. But it turns out a report came out saying that this was planned for a long time, and he was always meant to come back at this time. Uh, We're hearing, you know, he really wanted to work with Drew McIntyre, so... I think a tag team setting is probably the best case for The Undertaker at this stage, though. 
Absolutely. I mean, uh, it's not too long removed from the Saudi Arabia match with Goldberg, which will probably go down as not the best match of all time. Um, But I think it kind of makes sense as well. I mean, you know, Roman and Undertaker had their own WrestleMania match. Uh, You know, they had their own rivalry. And it's not uncommon for rivals to become tag team partners. And I think if you are going to utilize The Undertaker, as you said, I think a tag team would be the best way to do it. Yeah, and for sure. And, you know, him and Roman Reigns have both got long, wet, black hair. They both claim to, you know, own the yard. So, yeah, it makes sense. So it's like young dog and old dog. Yeah, young dog and old dog. They are the, the yard boys or something. I don't know. We've got to think of a better name than that. But yeah. anyway, yeah. So they're a fun team. And uh, Shane McMahon is what he is. Uh, this could be the end of that story. I feel like this is also a way to write Shane out. Maybe, yeah. you know, The Undertaker destroys him. We haven't seen that for a while, where a guy gets sent to hell by The Undertaker. Mm. One thing I do hope, though, I do hope uh, Drew McIntyre, I hope he kind of goes on to bigger and better things, because they've kind of flirted with the idea uh, a little bit. But I kind of feel, I mean, as a big guy and a guy that you want sort of moving forward, I feel like he's the guy. I feel like so many fans think that. I've thought that. I've said that. I'm a big fan of his, even back from his first run. It just feels like there is something missing between him and the crowd between like people buying it for some reason um he's great on the mic he's great in the ring he looks like a million bucks but do you feel like there is something missing with drew in terms of connecting i think it's it's people thinking that he's going to get a get a push or get some form of momentum and then it kind of gets ripped from under him and it's hard for people to invest in that yeah that's true i mean it's that whole thing of you know how much do wins and losses matter i think Mm. they matter a lot and for for drew to come up short in a few big matches that is starting to you know potentially that could be the thing making a difference and we'd assume taker and reigns are going to pick up the win at extreme rules All right, staying with WWE, uh, we found out, I believe it would have been Friday morning our time, uh, Eric Bischoff and Paul Heyman, um, well, Paul Heyman's kind of always been back with WWE, we've uh, been the advocate of Brock Lesnar, uh, but now more in a creative role, uh, Eric Bischoff, Paul Heyman back, uh, feels like we're back in the mid to late 90s. Yeah, that's it, the dream of the 90s is alive in the WWE. Um, I'm excited about this, when I first saw it, a friend of mine um, sent me a text saying, oh my god Bishop and Heyman, originally I thought they were just going to be, oh, the GMs mm. I thought this was an on-screen thing but if this is legit and they're going to have some say into the product and how it's presented and, and the way you know the process works creatively this could be a game changer but at the same time, these are two guys who you know, didn't succeed the first go-around, so it's sort of a, a wait and see but then again, the power of hindsight They've had 20 years to look back on everything that went right and wrong, you know, showing up on podcasts, discussing things. So, you know, maybe maybe they are the right guys. Vince has been too close to the product, maybe giving it to two guys with experience, but who have also had a chance to reflect. It could be, could be the thing, you know, the shot in the arm that WWE needs. Now, I'm being a bit of a conspiracy theorist, and we can delve into that uh, at another time, but I kind of feel it could be a bit of a political move from Vince McMahon to get some older heads around him to kind of block the likes of a Triple H or a Stephanie, kind of getting more power. Ooh, that's a new theory. I haven't heard that one. That is interesting, to stop 
the rise of Triple H, Steph, and potentially even Shane McMahon. You know, if you believe Vince Russo, Shane McMahon is not a fan of the product and he's made a power play. So, yeah, this could be Vince saying, all right, you know, I trust these guys to a point. They're older. Let's keep things as they are. Yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to make these drastic changes like Triple H has done in NXT. Beef on Twitter. Speaking of which, uh, the whole week it's been Seth Rollins versus Will Osprey on Twitter. They've, they've had. I mean, it's not like it was one or two tweets. I'm pretty sure these were like several tweets, uh, tweet exchanges. You know, sort of saying you know the best wrestling on the planet is WWE or something to that notion. Will Osprey said, "Hey, I'm over here," and it's just been back and forth. Yeah. So this has been fun to watch, and, and I know people have knocked Seth Rollins for you know some of the things he's tweeted, but if you're the guy in that position and you're the champion and everything has always gone your way in your career, why wouldn't he be defensive of his company? There's nothing wrong with that. You know What is he meant to say? You know, oh, I hate the show. Yeah. The show sucks. We have the worst wrestling. <laughs> just, just so he can... Just so he can, you know, make himself liked to the fans on Twitter. He's mm. doing what he has to do. But in saying that, I am completely on Team Osprey in ah. this situation. Now, let's talk about the, the horse in the room, or I should say the elephant in the room, uh, especially down there in Melbourne last night, being Saturday night. Uh, the first ever New Japan pay-per-view, I think it was via Fight TV, will eventually go on to New Japan World in a few days, I believe. But uh, Southern Showdown, uh, very much uh, focused around the guy we're just talking about there and Will Ospreay and Australia's own Robbie Eagles for the light heavyweight uh, title. Yeah, and, and the good thing is that feud with Seth Rollins, putting more eyes on Will Ospreay, in turn, put more eyes on this show. Because if you wanted to know what Will Ospreay was all about and what he was doing next, you would have to watch Southern Showdown. And Will Ospreay and Robbie Eagles, they sold the show. They were the show. This might have might have been the best match I've ever seen live, but definitely in the top three or five. Um, Will Ospreay, though, definitely not liked at Festival Hall, in part because, obviously, Robbie's our guy. Mm. But I feel like there were a lot of fans sort of trolling him based on the the Twitter feud with Rollins. There was a lot of little guy chants and, yeah, a lot of heckles to do with that. So kind of a kind of a fun vibe, a phenomenal match. They went about 35 minutes. It was the longest match of the night. And, yeah, a real classic. Arguably one of the most important matches to happen in Australia, I think. And, I mean, that's saying something when you've got the likes of Okada, Tanahashi, and all other great New Japan uh, talents on that card. Yeah, uh, yeah, but this was the one, not just featuring an Australian talent, because there were other, you know, locals on the show, but for this to be, for the Junior Heavyweight Championship, one of the most prestigious titles in wrestling history, to happen in Australia with a built-in rivalry, and it looks like there's another step coming... This sort of shows that you can do those matches here in front of a local crowd with a local talent. You know, we don't have to rely on names just coming from overseas. So I think Robbie Eagles will be remembered, you know, down the track as as one of the most important talents to come from this country because he's not doing it on a world stage. He's bringing that world stage here. So, yeah, I think it was history making and I don't think that's going over the top saying that. 
Now, before we wrap up there, uh, Simon, uh, the reviews there still coming in. Uh, AEW's Fighter Fest. Uh, I believe over in America they gave this one away for free. Um, I think uh, Aussie viewers could check it out via the Fight app or on Fight TV. Uh, but the biggest thing to come out of that, uh, Cody Rhodes uh, taking a chair shot to the head, not using his hands or not protecting himself, uh, by, but, yeah, being hit in the head with a chair from Sean Spears, uh, former WWE talent, uh, Ty Dillinger. Yeah, this has sort of got um, social media buzzing for probably the wrong reasons. Uh, we know so much about CTE and concussions and the damage it can do specifically in wrestling. So, look, I don't know. We're not wrestlers. We don't know the tricks of the trade and, you know, trade secrets of, of what everything really feels like. But having seen that clip didn't look good. And as, you know, one of the, the top executives there at All Elite Wrestling, I don't know. Is that the right example to be setting? It will be interesting to see. I don't. I don't want to say there's going to be backlash because um, I mean, uh, you know, as a hardcore wrestling fan, I used to love seeing the chair shots to the head. But I guess it's the beauty of hindsight, knowing the effect that can have on you know, fifteen years or whatever down the road. Um, mm. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, I guess what happens from that. But I mean. Like you said, Cody's an executive. I mean, he probably would have been the one who said yay or nay on that particular uh, moment. So, yeah, I guess you just have to see how uh, the fallout or, I guess, what happens afterwards. Yeah, and they sort of referenced it on commentary too, saying, oh, you know, Cody could have a concussion. So they're leaning into that and, and sort of threading that into the story. But again, we know a lot about it. It's not like back in the 90s when Shawn Michaels, you know, feigned a concussion from being mm. beaten up in real life. There's a difference here because even back then we could buy into the story because we didn't think concussions were as serious as they are. Now mm. when we see a story about a concussion and we see a chair shot like that, you know, I don't know if it's uh, it's something we can suspend disbelief for and just buy into the story without worrying for Cody's you know, real-life safety. Uh, man, I could speak for another 20 minutes. I mean, this week has been absolutely phenomenal for Australian wrestling, uh, firstly, and uh, wrestling in general. There's no better time to be a wrestling fan. Uh, and uh, give the guys the plug. Where can they check out the Wide World of Wrestling podcast? Uh, Wide World of Wrestling podcast. You can find us everywhere. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. We're on uh, every podcast platform or pod, you know, feeder there is. Find us. Uh, on Nate, 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 well. Nate, you're just bragging there, Simon. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's how podcasts work. Anyway, we've got some great guests coming up. Um, coming up next week, I might as well say it, or yeah. coming up this week, we've got little boy Lockie Hendricks uh, for a sit-down chat before MCW's ballroom brawl. It's very fun. He sort of lets the world have it. So definitely check that one out. Absolutely. One half of the Wide World of Wrestling podcast. It is Simon Tackler. Thank you very much. We'll get you back on the show uh, in a fortnight's time to hopefully dissect and break down more amazing wrestling. Cheers, mate. Thanks. Wrestling Source Radio. Wrestling Source Radio. Joining me now, he's definitely one of my top five Central Coast wrestlers. He's a regular on the show. He's the leader of the Red Nation. It's Jack Bonza. Hello and welcome. Rodney, how you doing? Very, very well. Now, we'll just sort of say in off air, there's so much wrestling happening in Australia that it's very easy to overlook certain events that are happening around the country. Yeah, it's crazy the amount of stuff that's happening right now in uh, in one short period of time. Mm. Uh, again, I think we touched on it last time I was here, but just if you'd said two or three years ago, 
any of the stuff that was happening, we would have called you crazy. Now there's, there's three or four things like that happening in the same month. And hot off the heels, PWA's all eyes on Troy and uh, where Jessica Troy, she beat Shazza McKenzie for the Women's Championship and it was all in the name, all eyes on Troy. And yep. from all accounts that I saw, a very emotional night. Yeah, it was it was a big one. Um, it was it was an interesting one, you know, because it's one of those things where you know we're trying to sell tickets to our to our humble little promotion um, while we're competing with New Japan and we're competing with World Series Wrestling and we're competing with all the other stuff that's happening all at the same time. So, but we still managed to pack the place out, and it was still just it was just a really really huge night, a really special night. I mean, we started live streaming on OVO and stuff. I think that was the, the third event that we've, that we've had from there. And yeah, we just go from strength to strength. It was a really good one. And uh, not resting on your laurels there, uh, moving forward, July 27th, uh, the 12th anniversary, I believe, of PWA's Call to Arms. Now, just been informed, the front row already sold out at Max Watts, Sydney. Uh, now, you're a big part of the, the main event there. It's the Nations, yourself, Jack Bonza, Adam Hoffman, Mick Moretti. Now, you're taking on TMDK. Now, I'm a little bit unfamiliar about these guys. What's right. their deal? Well, TMDK, um, the, probably the reason why people are unfamiliar is because they've been messed around a bit in the last few years. But probably if you went back uh, seven or eight years, TMDK were not just the major tag team, but they're probably the only real tag team come out of Australia. It was like Mikey Nichols and Shane Haste. They were two of the first guys to actually break out of Australia. They they got job. Um, they they managed to get themselves hired by Noah. Um, where they made a big deal of themselves there. And then Jonah Rock joined them as well. So it was kind of the three of them. Um, They'd spent a lot of time in America and California, and then they uh, moved from NOAA to uh, WWE. Uh, They were on NXT. They were were called a few different things. That's Um, right. I think the Mighty is where they is where they landed. So still kind of similar, but obviously for whatever reason, WWE didn't want to use their official name. Uh, but that didn't stop them from expanding locally. And so that's why I think there are maybe nine members of TNDK total. Um, that includes uh, Damian Slater, Mikey Broderick, and uh, and Mikey Nick. Uh, Marcus Pitt. <laughs> yeah. Mikey Nichols is still included as well. He's come back to Australia, but he works for New Japan now as well. So That's right. And uh, was uh, Elliot uh, Sexton, was he a part of that Elliot as well? Elliot Sexton was a part of them as well. Uh, Jack Hartley-Jackson, uh, who now works as a trainer for, for WWE, the Performance Centre. Um, and Slex is a member of Team DK. Yeah. Um, I think that might be about all of them. I'm probably forgetting one of them, and now they're going to really yeah. hate me, but <laughs> screw them. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, now you guys, uh, six-man tag, I mean, uh, how's that going to go down? It's going to be big. <laughs> For some reason, every time we get to call the arms, the, conveniently something's happened where we've had to call you know a bunch of people to arms. But, you know, the last one, uh, the match got thrown out because we were just brawling. Uh, like, got Jessica Troy involved and Mikey Broderick with his broken hand. And all that other kind of stuff happened. You can you can go back and watch it. It's up on Ovo and stuff now. But it's pretty intense because it's been one of those quiet rivalries where we haven't had much to do with each other for a long time. But there's always just been that who's better yeah. <laughs> thing going on. Because, I mean, they were always the main dominant thing. And then the Nations came through as this, uh, this new different thing. Because, I mean, the main difference between Team DK and the Nations is Team DK is, is spread out across Australia. Like, some of them live in America. Some of them live in Perth. Some of them live in Melbourne. Some of them live in Adelaide. Um, you know, between them, they don't see each other that often. Whereas, you know, Hoffman was the best man at my wedding. Uh, you know, me and Moretti in that see each other all the time. So there are probably more Nations tag team matches 
in in a month sometimes than there are TMDK tag team matches in a year. You know, they're a group of great individuals who come together under one banner. We're a team. Uh, we train together. We work together constantly. And so, you know, a team of team of champions uh, will lose to a champion team every time. Now, I'm glad you mentioned that because especially with in regards to you and Mick, you guys are going to get acquainted uh, once more. We'll touch on that uh, very soon. Um, but I really want to talk about an event that's happening at Central Coast Leagues Club Wrestling. It's going to invade the Central Coast. It is part of the uh, sister company to PWA, uh, Newcastle Pro Wrestling. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we're very, very much the same company. Um, it's a different branch uh, for the most part. But see, the interesting thing about, about stuff like this is that guys like... Robbie Eagles, uh, who is now was just in Best of the Super Juniors with New Japan, who's main eventing these New Japan shows coming up. Guys like myself, guys like Mick Moretti, who are also being looked at and wrestling on these kinds of shows. Top level guys who are on you know the premium cards doing world quality wrestling. You can come and see him at the Central Coast Leagues Club yeah. um, for still very minimal money because we're still a part of these local homegrown shows and I think the assumption is that because it's you know it's a Sunday after, or it's a Saturday night at, at the RSL it's not going to be as big a quality but you have the same guys yeah. who are on the top shows wrestling the same guys who are on the top shows or people they've trained except that you get access to it locally for cheaper um, but who knows how much longer that kind of stuff's going to happen because you know these these bigger companies are coming in you know? and they're taking all the uh, the top they're, talent they're taking all they? the top talent yeah. but you know you can still get access to them um, for now and even even once that's done you get the guys that they trained who are just nipping at their heels anyway so and have we got a rough card or some some fights that are going to be happening at Central Coast on July 6? Yeah, yeah, uh, the card's all done. They've got to start announcing him soon. Um, I'm just trying to think. So Conco and the Fudge will be teaming up again. So Getting Conco, the band back together. Conco Davidson will be back there again. Um, I think I am wrestling world's finest cut of Deems. So it'll be the Nations versus the Babes uh, <laughs> in a in a singles match. Um, I think that's off the top of my head. There, there, are, there are a lot of there are a lot of the better guys uh, will be on this card. It should be a really strong card. Well, I, I can't wait to be there because I'm going to be yelling, cheering, screaming. So I think it's going to be a fantastic time. Yeah. Um, and uh, Matty Wahlberg, he was recently announced as being part of Survivor. <laughs> yeah, is he going to be in attendance? Uh, I'm not 100 percent sure on that one. Um, he must still. They might have left him on the island. Maybe he might be. Yeah, I don't know if he's still. <laughs> he still kept pretty quiet about what's happening there. I personally can't wait because I don't know exactly what's going on. But I know that Steve Bradbury was on the island, and I know that Matty Wahlberg was on the island, and I can only imagine what Matty Wahlberg would have to say if he was put up against Steve Bradbury. <laughs> yeah, he's he's good on the he's, he's good on the mic, and I guess he would have some good comebacks to him. I could imagine. Yeah, yeah, that'd be something fun to watch. It might be the first time I've ever watched Survivor. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Because uh, I, I know the, the last uh, show that was there early in the year, I was uh, taunting uh, Matty Wahlberg, saying, do something, Wahlberg. And he actually did. As soon as I said that, he did some fly kick to Concrete Davidson. He goes, <laughs> I did something, you idiot. Yeah. So that was pretty fun. No, that's what he does. No, Wahlberg's great. He's um, he's one of those guys who's homegrown from PWA. Yep. Um, he was he was trained from scratch. He's come up probably quicker than just about anybody else. But, I mean, that's just indicative of the, of the training and the school that we have at the moment. So, yeah. So it's going to be a sensational show, July 6th, Central Coast Legs Club, and you guys usually, uh, with sort of tickets, is there reserving for the tickets, or is it sort of first in, best dress? Uh, you can, if you go to the Newcastle Pro website, so newcastleprowrestling.com.au, you can buy tickets. If you buy a ticket, it will reserve your seat. Um, it pretty much goes, if you are the first one to buy a ticket, then you will be centre front row. Right. Um, so the quicker you get in and buy a ticket, seats, the, mm-hmm. the better your 
seat is going to end up being. Um, but I mean, it's a pretty big hall. You, you can you can go and buy seats on the night too. Um, like, there's no issue with that. But yeah, usually front couple of rows will be sold out ahead of time. So if you want to sit. In a, in a really good seat and be close to it, then I recommend getting on the website and buying it early. You heard it here, Central Coast. Uh, get to the Newcastle Pro website, uh, buy yourself a ticket, support uh, local Central Coast wrestling. July 6th, Central Coast Legs Club. It's going to go down. Like I said, I, I can't wait. I'm going to have a few drinks. I'm going to be there <laughs> yelling and cheering. It's going to be a good time. And we're going to continue to chat to Jack Bonza after the break, uh, especially about uh, New Japan, which is uh, happening tonight. Wrestling Source Radio. Welcome back. It is the Wrestling Source Bottle, and I'm talking to Jack Bonza, one of Central Coast, one of Australia's elite pro wrestlers going around the country right now, and uh, very excited. A few weeks ago, I saw the announcement of the new Japan Pro Wrestling uh, card, especially in Sydney. I mean, they're doing a, basically a pay-per-view in Melbourne the night before on Fight TV, but uh, more localised to Sydney. Uh, we were sort of fantasy booking a few months ago um, about who you would possibly face. I'm a little bit disappointed pointed Suzuki's not on the card, but <laughs> I think this match makes up for it. You're going to be taking on fellow Nation member Mick Moretti. Yeah. How's that going to go? Uh, yeah, that's going to be something. <laughs> so uh, the little story behind that one is that... So they actually came and did a tryout um, for this show, and so they wanted to look at who was going to be there, but the tryouts are usually to see who will enter the Farley Dojo because if you can get a tryout, you get a scholarship to the Farley Dojo. If you survive the Farley Dojo, yeah. that's a big if, um, then you get a chance to go to the New Japan Dojo and then if you survive the New Japan Dojo, um, then you have a you know a chance of getting onto you know, the best in-ring wrestling product in the world, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, Marini and I also attended the tryout and... But Matty Wahlberg got, got picked as the winner um, but then we were pulled aside afterwards and were told that we were head and shoulders above everybody else who participated in the tryout but they didn't feel like we needed to go through the dojo system Okay, wow. so um, this match is kind of like a tryout we're being watched by the bookers the interesting thing and the thing that people always forget about pro wrestling and stuff is that they kind of go like oh the best guy should get booked it doesn't work that way it really if you feel a need like if they need guys for the G1 tournament they need big guys if they need guys for the for the best of the super juniors they need a little guy if they need guys for the tag leagues and they, they need a tag team so it really just depends on what um you know what availabilities are open at that point in time but this is something for us to, to get in front of them I don't know if they realise what they booked. <laughs> I think they just picked us from the triad and went, "Yep, you guys go against each other yeah. and show us what, what you show got. us what you can do." Uh, they don't realise that we just had this huge, uh, this huge uh, match at, uh, in the Coliseum final, the fight for black metal a couple of months ago mm. that went off. They don't realise the rivalry that we have um, as PWA Tag Team Champions together yeah, right. but also against each other. Yeah. Um, so I don't think they have any clue whatsoever what they've what they've stepped into. So you're looking to steal the show? <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I, I think so. And the other, the other great thing is that, I mean, coming into this stuff, you never... Like, I mean, the main event is Okada-san, mm. Tanahashi... Yep. And and um, first time he's ever been in the the country. First time Tanahashi yeah. son has ever been in the country, and um, and Will Osprey, who for my money is the best pro wrestler on the planet right now. Yeah, um, taking on Jay White, uh, like Tox Farley, founding member of the Bullet Club, and Robbie Eagles. Yeah, how could you get a more insane main event match? It's just going to be the biggest thing ever. But the but the cool thing about it is that people have really gotten behind seeing me versus Mick. I've been told by a bunch of people that me versus 
Moretti is the match that they're, they're really see. looking for on the card. Yeah. And when you have something like that, it's just incredible that we, at this point, have so much support. Like, because we talk about all the stuff that's happening, like World Series wrestling is mm. coming, New Japan Pro Wrestling is coming. There are other places that are coming too that people don't care about so much because our local um, fans. They don't just care about seeing an international show. Yeah. They want to see the international show mixed with their favorite local guys. Yeah. It's not against the right local guys, and they don't care because it's not the internationals they want to see. They want to see the local homegrown guys start to branch out, start to make a little bit more so they can be proud of you know of what they're doing. So the fact that people are so excited for, for me versus Moretti as opposed to some of the other matches that are going on is just unbelievable (laughs) and I think as well um, you sort of mentioned they want to see their local guys and some international guys but I mean that just goes to show PWA selling out the front row within how many minutes of the tickets going on sale yeah sometimes because what what PWA does is they'll announce um, tickets go on sale at 10am but tickets actually go on sale at 9am it's just that in previous times when they've announced tickets go on sale at 9am if they're not if they're only available at 9.05, like if something goes wrong, then all of a sudden they get inundated with complaints about like, tickets aren't up. So what they do is they put them on sale before they announce they're on sale to make sure there's time. So oftentimes, by the time tickets, and I'm doing this in, you know, with finger things like go on sale at 10 a.m., front row will already be sold out um, because people have already checked it out yeah. and they're there and they, yeah. they go and buy them. So sometimes <laughs> we'll have sold out the first three rows before tickets officially go on sale. Right. Um, but that just shows the, you know, the, the hunger the for, it. for it. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, really, it's really cool. <laughs> now, New Japan, um, that, that's happening uh, tonight. Uh, but last night we would have seen the likes of Robbie uh, Eagles take on Will Ospreay for the light heavyweight uh, championship. Yeah. Um, Wowee. But I believe you tweeted uh, a few weeks ago that Will Ospreay is a big proponent with Australian wrestling getting a bit of a light shined on it, yeah? Oh, yeah. I See, I, I, I credit him 100%. Like, um, everybody likes to look at because, oh, people would have found us anyway and all that kind of stuff. We had plenty of international guys come down, um, and they would come down, they would wrestle their match. Like, uh, Ryback was one that always stuck with me because he came down he was really nice he was really helpful and then on his podcast afterwards he talked about Conco and the Fudge yeah. and he, but he just pretty much said oh yeah I met these two really nice guys and then told the story why didn't he say their names yeah, you know, like just just stuff. But everybody's been like that because I mean they're just down here doing a job. They they all do their jobs well. They always do whatever. Osprey was the first one who made it kicked up a stink. Yeah, it was like no, everybody pay attention <laughs> to this. Look at this right now. Yeah. Come here. I'm coming because I mean he said he was going to move here and I never believed him. Like he, he, if you go back and watch the promo, he says like I'm going to move to Australia and I'm going to make it to my mission like this. And I'm just kind of oh, yeah, oh, wow. great buddy. Let's say yeah. he was never moving to Australia. I believe that he believed he was moving to Australia, but the actual logistics of it was such like uh, I'll believe it when I see it kind of thing. Yeah, right. But it didn't matter because it, it made people like Take the notice. fact that he was so passionate about. I love this place so much. I actually, in, at least in this moment, want to come and move here. It was like. People were like, oh, okay, well, I guess we'll start paying attention. And then he kept going. Like, mm. he kept talking about it later. He kept talking about Robbie. He kept talking about Adam Brooks. He kept talking about PWA. He kept pointing people here as much as humanly possible, as much as he could with the platform that he has, which is huge. Um, and especially when he's so good for him to put his opinion behind whatever. So, yeah, if he hadn't done what he did, then there's no way. Um, I don't think that we would have 
that we would have had the the attention thrust on us that we had. So it's those two okay. things meeting someone like a Will Ospreay who can shine that light, but obviously the hard work that you guys have been doing and it's kind of just oh, yeah. cross, uh, crossed, yeah? Yeah, I mean, like, it, he wouldn't have done it if he didn't believe it and if it wasn't true, you know. So, like, we had to do our part, absolutely. But it's just, man, we've been doing our part for a long time. <laughs> so, like, it was just that thing, like, you, we had to put ourselves in a position to get lucky you know but like we had him at a training seminar the night before and he was unbelievably impressed with all the students like with 50 guys like he didn't just say it because he had a good match with Robbie he said it because he'd met and watched Mm. and worked a little bit with everybody at PWA and Newcastle Pro and he was just like and was he a guy who could, I guess, bestow a bit of knowledge uh, on some of the younger guys or the guys there? I mean, he's sort of been around the world. He's, you know, New Japan and, you know, he's, he's one of the guys who are really looked up at as, you know, the new generation of wrestlers. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, he, he has so much knowledge about um, about what to do in the ring and stuff like that. It was just... But the, the cool thing about the tryout was that, you know, a tryout works at the pace of the slowest person. Like, you've got to wait... Um, and he would just take everyone through basic stuff because he has to show this basic stuff before he can show the advanced stuff. What I think impressed him about the PWA school is that when he went and did the basic stuff, everyone was like, yeah, and, and could just already yeah. do it. So he could just start showing us the advanced stuff because we already had such a solid foundation, which I think surprised him because most of the time when you go to places, you got to take everybody through um, every little part to make sure. So, But, yeah, no, he was he was fantastic. He um, He's the one who showed Paris the Silver the... I don't think he showed it to him. I think he explained it to him. The shooting star DDT, yeah, that's uh, right. which I ended up copying the <laughs> bad end of. <laughs> that's got so, about a, a million something hits online now, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I got a lot. Um, <laughs> so um, yeah, my butt's really famous because <laughs> you can just see me getting smashed with it. But, uh, yeah, that's um, yeah. No, Osprey. Osprey definitely has a lot to has a lot to teach. He's moving to Japan now. I think he officially moved to Japan, but like it's not quite Australia, but it makes him a lot easier to access. Yeah, Will Osprey, absolute legend. I mean, helping out Australian wrestling, uh, and obviously New Japan Pro Wrestling in the country as we speak. They were in Melbourne last night, Sydney tonight. I've got to let you go very soon, so you can go kick Mick Moretti's bum all around the New South, uh, the Uni of New South Wales Roundhouse. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, I should know that. I'm going to be there cheering on. It's going to be amazing. Uh, but uh, Jeff Cobb last. Sunday, I believe. Yeah, you took him on in World Series Wrestling. Yeah, it just it's just unbelievable the stuff that's happening right now. I mean, Jeff Cobb, the never open weight New Japan champion. Yeah. Uh, at the Ring of Honor champion. He won the Battle of Los Angeles. He was in the Olympics in 2004. He's a big guy. He's a big unit. <laughs> so, but just, again, just the opportunity to, to get in the ring with somebody like that is just, it's just unbelievable, all the stuff that's happening right now. So... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just crazy. And obviously, July 6th, Central Coast Leagues Club, get your bum on a seat, come see the likes of Jack Bonzer, the Nations, and the re- the reuni- I guess, is it the reuniting of the band, uh, which is Conco and the Fudge? I mean, so much happening. <laughs> so much happening. I'm, I can't wait to see it. Yeah. July 6th, Central Coast Leagues Club, uh, Newcastle Pro Wrestling, PWA, I mean, the call to arms, the 12th anniversary, just basically type in Australian Pro Wrestling on your Google machine, and you guys are going to come up. Get yourself a ticket. Check this stuff out. But if you can't check it out you can check it out on ovo live on ovo it should be live streamed on ovo everything so you'll be able to see that you'll be able to see the library um you'll be able to catch up on all this stuff it's lots of fun regular guest of the show it is the leader of the red nation jack bonzer thank you very much for uh, taking the time to have a chat to us once again thanks for having me roddy wrestling source radio the you know i brought paul kogan in around 1994 uh we didn't know we, I would have never imagined that 
Ted Turner would have asked me to produce a show in prime time to go head-to-head with, with Monday Night Raw and the WWE. So I, I knew bringing Hulk in would improve WCW's business. I knew that it would improve our profile amongst wrestling fans and, and within the industry, within the business of the wrestling business. But we were so, uh, we were at distance number two. It wasn't until Nitro happened a year, a year and a half later that I thought to myself, well, maybe there's a possibility because now we're on a level playing field. Prior to Nitro, you know, WCW was on a Saturday night at 6 p.m., which is a horrible time in tel- for television in the United States. And, and WWF at the time was in prime time, you know, 8 o'clock on a Monday night. And there was no way we could possibly be, be competitive in that scenario. But when Nitro came along and we were head-to-head, that's when it first occurred to me that even when we first started, I knew it was a very remote possibility we could possibly catch up and be competitive, but I knew that there was one. And and as time went on, we became more and more and more successful. And about six or eight months after we launched Nitro, that's when I started really thinking, okay, now there's actually a chance we can become number one, and eventually we did. Former WCW President Eric Bischoff there talking about the acquisition of Hulk Hogan and the creation of Monday Night Nitro, which led WCW to 83 consecutive weeks uh, beating WWE in the ratings over there in America. And Eric Bischoff was recently in Australia doing his 83 weeks national tour in Sydney, Brisbane and Melbourne. I was there at Sydney. Great show. And my next guest now, he was lucky enough to uh, bust Eric Bischoff's balls, uh, so to speak, at the Sydney show. He was the uh, equivalent of the Conrad Thompson there. Eric Bischoff said before he did the tour, he was looking for the Australian Conrad Thompson. So I'm technically joined by the Sydney Conrad Thompson, who got to uh, bust Eric's balls there at the Sydney show at the Factory Theatre. He's a journo. It is Adam Santorossa. Hello and welcome. Yes, hello. Thanks for having me. Now... There was a competition to find the Australian Conrad Thompson. Uh, you obviously would have found that through Destroy All Lines. I mean, uh, when you put your video together, did you think that uh, you would be picked out of the bunch? No, not really. I sort of um, I put together a little sort of 40-second clip just sort of detailing some of the stuff I've done in wrestling and some of the people I've spoken to and, and had some opportunities to, and I, I sort of thought nothing of it. And then a few days out, I got a message back saying, yeah, we want you for Friday night. Are you available? So... Um, it all came together pretty late, but um, yeah, I mean, I was thrilled to get the chance, and it, yeah, it was a great, great fun. So yeah, really privileged. And when you got that message, was it, a, a, I guess, a mad dash to uh, come up with some hard-hitting questions or questions that you think Eric would uh, appreciate, and I guess the audience would appreciate? Uh, yeah, it was in a way. It was, it was in, in one way. It was last minute, but at the same time, I, I never really felt uh, nervous or. Um, unorganized or not prepared enough because I, I do listen to the podcast and I listen to um, all of Conrad's podcast. So I sort of already had a pretty solid base of, um, you know, some funny things I could talk about. You know, I mentioned the tanning uh, off the top and, and a few other things. So I wanted to try to have fun and I knew that the crowd there would be, you know, hardcore wrestling fans and, and obviously listeners to the podcast. So I didn't just want to ask your, I guess your generic questions that a lot of people would ask i wanted to sort of delve a little bit deeper or sort of go for a different angle and having interviewed uh, some guys from wwe and, and you know some pretty high profile wrestling personalities in the past they do appreciate asking something that they don't hear every day so that was sort of what i what i took going in just to sort of um, 
So just have fun with it and, and make sure the crowd was entertained because, you know, they're not there to see me talk. So um, I wanted them to, yeah, just enjoy the night. I'm glad you kicked off with the uh, the tan remark in regards to Starcade uh, 97 with Sting. You know, um, you know, apparently uh, his head not being in the game, but the tan being the biggest thing to come out of that uh, podcast. Uh, I mean, I, I knew straight away uh, what you were referring to there. I mean, was there any questions, I guess, that you had to, uh, I guess, beforehand run by Eric or it was all just on the spot there on the stage? Oh, no, look, we had a chat backstage for about 20 minutes before, before the show started and uh, I just said to him, look, uh, you know, do you want me to run any questions by you or, or is there anything? Because um, it's difficult to know. Obviously, I've never met Eric before the night and, and to get that chemistry and, um, you know, I don't want to disrespect the guy, so I don't want to, you know, throw him under a bus by you know, asking a difficult question or, or something he, he might like. And I had a couple of things there that were a little bit cheeky. Uh, and to his credit, he just said, look, ask me whatever you want. Um, let's just have fun with it. You know, if there's something that's a bit too cheeky and you sort of haven't got me, I'm, I'll throw it back at you. So... Yeah. Um, and I thought that was a great approach, I think, and it sort of showed on stage. You know, we had fun. You know, he threw a couple of dingies back at me. I, I had a, a couple of, um, you know, cheeky questions around not only the tanning, but, you know, the Dave Meltzer one as well. That was sort of, he wasn't expecting. So um, I, I thought he played it well. And, I mean, he's, he's obviously been in that scenario for, you know, he's a pro. So um, I thought he handled it really well. And that's one thing I did love about the show. Um, it was it was very interactive um, having you on stage and obviously uh, fielding questions uh, from the crowd. Um, but I mean, I guess you said you had a bit, about twenty minutes prior to the show to have a chat to him. Was there any sort of I guess peek behind the curtain type of stuff? Did you, uh, I guess did you sort of find out any little sort of things uh, that you I guess you were unaware of before the uh, the initial meeting or the uh, interview? Uh, look, no real nuggets of, uh, you know, inside golf or anything like that. Um, it was really, yeah, just, just having a chat about his time in Australia. And, uh, we actually were talking about things like state of origin and mm. sort of introducing him to that. Um, you know, obviously you had the Collingwood hoodie on um, on Twitter the day before he arrived in Australia. So I sort of just asked him about that and um, I actually said to him, look, if you're looking for heat, um, you know, you're going to Brisbane tomorrow, like I'd wear something in New South Wales uh, origin if you want, if, you, if that's what you're after. So... Um, and I just sort of tried to build up, yeah, origin and, and sort of introduce him to some things. You know, we, we sort of spoke about, uh, I'm a big boxing guy in UFC as well, and we had a bit of a chat about that. And, yeah, it was really just, um, really just, uh, you know, building that chemistry and having a bit of a laugh before we went on stage. So was there any of the questions that you didn't say or uh, that you can reveal here? Uh, look, there were, I, had, I had some extra questions. I mean, I was sort of given a time. Um, not a time limit, but sort of, hey, this is how long we got on stage. And um, I, I actually was running a little bit long. Um, so I still had some questions up my sleeve, but I thought, look, um, you know, we're, we've, we've given them en- enough in terms of the questions. They probably want to ask plenty in the Q&A, so let's get into that. So um, I could have been up there for another 20 minutes if I really wanted to, but yeah. I just felt, yeah, look, we're, we're having you know, we're having fun. It's going well. Let's, let's get the Q&A underway because you know, the fans, as I said, they don't want to hear from me. They don't want to hear from Eric, so... Um, and yeah, that was great. There were some great questions and, and some real insight, I thought, too, from the crowd. Um, I actually jumped into the crowd after I got off stage and, and listened to them all, and I thought they were great. But the questions I did leave out were mainly just your more generic sort of um, questions that most people would probably know. Well, Adam, you did a great job last Friday night uh, there with the uh, the tour, the Sydney leg there. I'm not too sure how the Brisbane or the uh, Melbourne uh, Comrade equivalent went, but, uh, mate, I think you did very well. You should be proud of yourself. And uh, thanks for taking the time to have a chat to us here at the uh, Wrestling Sauce Bottle. It's uh, Adam Santorossa, and um, like I said, we'll see you on down the line. 
Yeah, thanks, man. I really appreciate the feedback. And uh, I don't know about the next Conrad. I'm not as rich as him, and uh, I'm not going as well in, in my personal life as well. So <laughs> I've got a bit of work to do, but uh, yeah, I'll do my best. And if you would like to score yourself a signed 83 weeks poster by the man himself, Eric Bischoff, the guy who was the former WCW president, executive producer, he created the NWO, he, he signed Hulk Hogan to WCW, one of the biggest wrestling acquisitions of all time, and of course the creation of Monday Night Nitro. His signature on a poster, Eric Bischoff, be caller one right now, 43220072. That's an Eric Bischoff signed poster, caller one right now, 43220072. Wrestling Source Radio. 